Welcome back to season nine of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. I'm your guest host, Latia Frazier, and along for the ride will be my ableist sidekick, Josiah Jones. Listen now for honest conversations about disability in the church. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, we'll be chatting with my friend, Chris. Chris, can you um, just tell us about yourself, anything you would want to say, and um, any denominational or church background, uh, professional work that you're doing, that kind of stuff? Sure. Uh, Thanks. It's uh, great to be here, by the way, Latia. It's always a pleasure to see you and get a chance to talk to you. Folks out there in podcast world are not seeing us, but but we're seeing each other. So I'm Reverend Chris Wiley, also known as DJ Pastor Rock for my music. I'm a United Methodist Church elder, songwriter, vocalist, and activist from Buffalo, New York. All right. That's a whole lot of stuff. Uh, I want to know, but I'll ask later when we stay on track. I want to know more about your music and how that's part of your ministry. But um, just uh, another question that I've asked every guest that uh, has been on this season is what uh, language you prefer in terms of like people first, the identity first, or anything else like that? I am definitely identity first. I mean, you know, sometimes I can't, like if I'm in a conversation, kind of go back and forth, or if I'm talking to a larger audience, I might go back and forth uh, to try to make as many people as comfortable as possible. But I I definitely identify uh, with identity first language. Okay. All right. Cool. And I have said in other episodes that I go back and forth as well, um, that in more professional settings, I tend to use people first language, but if I'm around folks that I know have disabilities, I use identity first because cause, cause I'm around my people. So yeah. That's but, one thing we didn't mention already. Yeah, I was going to ask, can you clarify what those two terms mean again? Yeah, so people first language emphasizes the personhood. So I would say that I'm a person with a physical disability. Or Chris might say he's a person that uses a wheelchair, um, which we should say more about that. And then uh, identity first is just to say that I am disabled or that I have cerebral palsy, that disability is not a bad word to use. So just to, to clear that up. And because we are in podcast land and you can't see us, um, how, Chris, do you identify within the disability community? I don't. Uh, oh, what? Well, I'm I'm disabled. I'm a wheelchair user. I also am neurodivergent. I have ADHD, and uh, I have cerebral palsy, which is one thing we didn't mention up top when I said this is who I am. And usually that comes right out of the gate, like I'm a disabled United Methodist elder. So... I wonder if that was because we're on a podcast and uh, uh, we don't tend to lead with our disabilities, especially when you're talking to somebody else who has a disability, maybe. I don't know. I think think that is part of it. I think I do tend to lead with my disability, but since you and I, Latia, are both disabled, 
Like, I'm like, oh, we already know this about each other. So <laughs> the CP is taking over the world. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, can you tell me, I think just navigating the world, uh, sometimes can have some hysterical moments. I think for everybody, but in particular, folks with disabilities can tell me a funny disability story. I thought about that a lot. And I, you know, I don't have a ton of really funny disability stories unless I'm amongst other people with disabilities. Then it's sort of funny. Even like with you and I, Latia, the, when we first met, like it became kind of like, how do we not know each other already? You know, which I always think is kind of funny because a lot of non-disabled people sort of assume that disabled people, like we all know each other, all of, like, you know, we're all getting together, which is how we're going to take over the world, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but then it, in, in reality too, especially when we have multiple connections, it sort of does become, well, how did we not meet until now, you know? So, but sadly out in the world, I, you know, I don't have a lot of really funny disabled stories because a lot of my stories are fraught with ableism and other different challenges of, uh, you know, just those sorts of things. So I'd be interested in hearing one of yours. Oh, I have so many funny ones. And maybe funny is not the right adjective. Um, but I was recently at a church uh, and I was asked to read scripture for a memorial service, which I was honored to do. That wasn't, you know, an issue at all. But I had not been at that church before. And I'm looking at the, the, I don't know what he called the platform. And I'm like, how are people getting up there? And then I realized that there's like this secret door that people are going to. So I went through the door and I, and the, the stairs are so narrow and there were like three and they were high and there wasn't much of a banister. And I was like, oh snap. Stop. And. I figured out how to do it, but what was surprising was I had to ask my friend who I came with to help me and like, uh, uh, like problem solve on the spot, which we, we often have to do. And then I was a predominantly black church and then they all realized, oh snap, she's the one that's going to get up to read the scripture as I'm walking with my crutches. So that by the time I had to come back down, they had like, three guys willing to help me, right? Like, we're not going to, we're going to make sure she doesn't fall. So I always think that that's funny um, because there was no forethought that there might be someone that, who has a disability that is a minister or that is called to read scripture, those sorts of things. Um, well, I've definitely had those types of experiences, you know, where, where you come in and you're like, okay, how am I going to get up? I mean, that's right. That's disability in general. Every time you're in a new place, you have to figure out how you're going to do whatever it is you're going to do because every place is different, right? right. Like if I got had the chance to be there a few times, you know, then I kind of have a, a system, you know, you develop kind of a system, but 
for sure there is the okay i'm in a new environment even it could even be like a hotel room right like every time i'm in a new environment how am i going to do this and certainly there have been times in churches where they've been like oh we'll just lift you up or help you up and i'm a big guy like you can't see me again people out there can't see me but i'm a big guy and like people are like oh we'll lift you up and my wheelchair is also like a couple hundred pounds i have this really old sort of indestructible wheelchair and i'm like yeah that's probably not gonna work but but there are definitely those sorts of stories and also like personal space and like why you don't get to just touch me <laughs> like that i don't like i don't like that <laughs> so yeah yeah um, or don't open the door when i'm leaning on the door for balance when i used to be upright when i used to be able to walk more than i can now and like somebody pulls the door trying to help but you kind of fall through the door i have many of those stories they're like just don't care um, like now now you just made me fall but thanks <laughs> at least we can laugh about them that's that's like a nightmare scenario for me especially every time i've hung out with latia like if there's like a hard to navigate spot i'm like if you make her fall down somehow you will never be able to live that down oh my especially since i feel like you know our friendship being unique as it is she would just probably give me grief for it for the next couple of years like oh i just remember that time you totally made me face plant in front of a whole group of people in front of a church like yeah, I'll <laughs> never forget that moment. And oh, um, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I do have one. I when I was in seminary, I worked at our local newspaper here in Buffalo, the Buffalo News. I was in advertising sales, and I and I'm in Buffalo. It's snowy here, you know. And I was, I was walking across the street, and I used a crotch, you know, to walk across. And I walk across the street, and you couldn't see because snow on the ground and I put my crutch right in like a like a drain hole and I don't know somehow the tip of the crutch was worn away enough that it fit and my crutch went right down to the right down to the ground and so did I and you know those sorts of things so it does happen yeah that makes me think of a time when I I was going to work and you know the hole in the elevator opens is like that little hole between the thick so for, I don't know how, my crutch got stuck in the hole and I couldn't get it out. And like the door was gonna close. And if that happened, it would like break the elevator. So I'm like, trying to keep it open. It was hilarious. And then finally somebody came by and I was like, can you help me? My crutch is gonna break. And so he's the elevator, so. Yeah. That, that actually, can I ask a question real quick? I'm not using yeah. the hand raise thing, sorry. No, you're good. Knowing Latia, she's pretty direct and forthright. She generally is like, Josiah, do this. Josiah, do that. Josiah, get out of the way. You know, whatever the case may be. Josiah, go get my other legs. Like, she'll just, she'll let me know what's up, which I genuinely appreciate, especially since that's not my everyday. I don't know how to navigate this stuff. It's not something that I have much intuition with. But I'm, I'm curious for you, Chris, uh, is there, maybe in your life, but I also, this is probably hazardous to say for, for most folks with disabilities, is it you're generally going to spe specify the help you need or are you okay with people asking you generally, hey, how can I help you? I mean, what does that look like in your day-to-day? -day? Well, for sure, I don't mind people asking, especially like if I'm, like say I'm in a church or something and it's a new environment. Like if I'm trying to help people, like if I'm in a congregation saying, how can you be more welcoming and how can you be more accessible? It really is about like 
just helping. Like you might not be able to like pay for an automatic door opener or something, but you can have somebody at the door, you know, to help open the door, things like that. But also definitely, definitely ask. Don't assume that disabled people, because I mean, we already heard like somebody pulls the door and I, and you fall through the door. But even if it doesn't involve in some kind of catastrophic scenario playing out, um, ask, because it's part of like, for, for me, like my wheelchair is part of me, you know? And uh, so don't just assume to grab onto my wheelchair and start doing something because that would be that's the equivalent of grabbing onto me. Sure. I think some of the assumptions are uh, a person with disability is helpless and, you know, I am not, so I need to help the helpless person, right? And there's never a whole lot of thought put into how independent folks can be, even if they have physical disabilities, so. Yeah, and, you know, I will say this, too. I mean, I'm, again, I'm an activist in a number of a number of ways, like, yeah, but... But I'm more inclined to be patient and work with people who I sense want to, like if they want to help, I'm less tolerant about people who are just not nice people. I'm, I'm trying to monitor my language here, but you know, <laughs> who are not nice people and who I sense don't aren't really trying to help, who are just being difficult, often for the sake of being difficult. They're they're not going to get very far with me because I'll get right, I'll get right in your face. Got it. Uh, question that I, I know that we wanted to make sure to get to was the magic pill question, right? Like if let's say some company created the magic pill or which has also been some of folks with disability experience in church that if uh, someone offered to Pray your disability away. Like, what would be your response to that? I've certainly had people pray for me, including people who would be the equivalent of supervisors, superiors, allegedly. Not, not superior people, but people to whom I might report have prayed for me. And that's caused all kinds of issues. But, but, I'm going to put that down for a moment because I, I really like this question about the magic pill. And if I could take a magic pill or I, I prefer the pill scenario because then I could take it rather than have somebody come up and just start praying over me. Yeah. see. let's talk about that. Right. right. In which case, I'm probably going to punch him in the face before they finish. <laughs> but like, what would Jesus do? Jesus would punch him right in the face. <laughs> That's not true. I, you know, I'm, I'm holding up my hands to, before everybody has a, like a, a mutiny on your podcast. Like, I can't believe you had, had Chris on and he's such a terrible person, but like, and his theology is horrible. He thinks Jesus would punch people. But anyway, um, but would I take the magic pill? I would not. I would not take the magic pill and, uh, and I'll elaborate a little bit to say, that disability is sometimes difficult. It's difficult because we live in a world not built to include us. And it is also difficult sometimes because sometimes like your body hurts or you want to be able to do something that you can't do. I wasn't able to pick up 
my my daughter, for example, like I, like I couldn't just physically bend down and pick her up, you know, and something like that. And I really would have liked to do that. And you figure it out as you go. But one thing disability has really done for me, and sometimes I didn't really have a choice in this, is that it made me have to reflect on my own vulnerability and our our collective interdependence on each other. And if I was not disabled and assumed sort of that I could do everything on my own and, you know, all these things that we hear, even out in our political landscape and all those sorts of things, like, oh, just try harder, do this more, do whatever, um, I think I'd be more inclined to believe that those things could be possible, except I'm disabled and I know that I have to have, like, I know I'm vulnerable and and my time here is finite because my body is breaking down. I always say everybody's body is aging. My body's just aging faster. And also, I know that we need each other. So I would not take the magic pill even though there would be days that I might want to. Yeah, I I feel that, all of that. Like, I'm like, no, but sometimes I think about it, but still no. <laughs> I, I'm going to speak out uh, on behalf of who I think our audience might be half the time. In this uh, predominantly Western culture that really celebrates the hyper-individualism that that we see on display all over the place, that's gonna like hurt their brains to compute, right? So I would I would have gone into this, this is just, you know, my my ignorance in this uh, subject matter. I would have gone into this thinking at least maybe half of our guests would have said, absolutely, give me that magic pill, maybe even more. But to this point, I don't think a single one of our guests has said that. Nope. So, I, and now I'm understanding why Latia is asking this question. Because if you would have just asked me on the street, like, oh, do you think this person would take a pill? I'd be like, yeah, why wouldn't they do that? Like, that doesn't make sense in my brain why you wouldn't just take that pill. Um, but I, I'm wondering a little bit specifically, is that is that like Western culture? Or do you think around the world this might be something? I mean, whether it's individualism being, you know, idolized or, I don't know, just taboos and cultures. Is this something that's kind of uh unique to north america or is this a thing that folks around the world might struggle with like why wouldn't you take the magic pill you know i don't know i think it could be i think that's a really good question first of all but i think it could be around the world but i think it's more likely in western culture where we do as you say have this hyper individualism and so I would say it's more likely to be here. I am not surprised that most disabled people wouldn't take the magic pill. I am also not surprised that not that non-disabled people would take the magic pill. I think that's the perception of us, right? That's the perception of us often in the, us being disabled people in the media, in in all kinds of ways, and that's why. Uh, folks like Latia and I are out here kind of trying to break those stereotypes. I mean, you can look at like movies and all kinds of things where it's like either you're like the super overachiever, overcomer, 
inspiration porn is the term that's often used for that. Like you're going to go so far above and beyond that people are so inspired by you or you just want to die because you become disabled. And uh, the truth is, you know, that's not real. Like that's not life. That's not my life, certainly. And, uh, and another thing, I mean, if, if there was ramps everywhere and this gets into like talking about social models of disability, but if there was ramps everywhere, I wouldn't need to worry about using a wheelchair to get around. Like people use terms like wheelchair bound and all those sorts of things. And my, my wheelchair is my independence, you know, it's the fact that we don't have ramps that makes things difficult for me. So I'll stop there. But again, I'm not surprised that non-disabled people would kind of think of it one way and disabled people would probably think of it in another way. Yeah. Two things that kind of go together, um, because you talked a lot about, or a little bit about like vulnerability and like how you're aging like everybody else, but aging maybe faster because of uh, your disability. That woman struck a chord with me because I'm always like, I want to know people with CP that are like 80. <laughs> I just want to feel like, like it's possible. Um, how do you think your like body image or self-image has been impacted by your disability? That's a good question. And I won't rain on your parade. I hope you meet a lot of disabled people who are older. I expect that I probably won't be one of them. But, but, cause I know, like, but I will say this I'll say I was a non wheelchair user when I was young. You know, I, I played sports. I used to ice skate in a disabled ice skating program up here in Buffalo. I was like their poster boy circa like 1982. 83 and stuff and like i i was all about that and it wasn't really until i had a knee replacement surgery trying to regain mobility and um it kind of went sideways because and we just couldn't anticipate it like the doctor doesn't usually get people with cerebral palsy who come in and say hey i want to be able to learn like walk more like to regain mobility and, you know, my knee was shot. It was like bone on bone and stuff. So I was going to lose the ability to walk either way because it was like pretty soon going to wear away and not connect. Yeah. But going in and then the spasticity of it all, like, like, you know, so I ended up becoming a, more of a full-time wheelchair user. And, and like it's really shaped a lot of this theology about vulnerability and stuff because for me, like that was the biggest wake up call, right? Like even for me. And that's where like, I am sometimes critical of non-disabled people again, especially if I sense that they aren't trying to learn, but trying to be difficult or, or whatever other term you want to use. Um, but I was a different person when I could walk and do all those other things than I am now. Like that, that, sitting on the sidelines and having to say, you know what? Like I came home from the hospital and I couldn't get in and out of my house. My house wasn't built to include me and I lived in it, right? <laughs> right? And so there was a long period of time, it was like pandemic practice where I couldn't really leave the house on my own because I didn't have ramps and things like that. 
And that really informed this idea or these ideas of vulnerability and mortality and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm thinking about also um, internalized ableism. So ableism is the preference for a non-disabled body that we see in our society, right? Internalized ableism is folks with disabilities who have the desire and like work toward living in a world that that like in some ways tries to be non-disabled um yeah how how maybe that has showed up for you especially yeah. if you become a, a person that you that's a really good question and i can tell you almost exactly how because i definitely had internalized ableism i was the ultimate overcomer and that's the way like we were told people right my like my age went like I'm 55 gonna be 55 in a couple months and like everything in the in the 80s was about like and probably before that too but my experience was 70s and 80s when I was young was like overcome your disability right so I had tons of internalized ableism and then when I was in the hospital in rehab Try, like after my knee replacement, trying to fight to get out because they weren't going to release. Like they really like, that's how people end up getting institutionalized, which is like a whole other ball of wax. And my spouse, Janelle, was there and the doctor actually heard me advocating for myself. And the doctor has a disabled child also. And they knew about this program here in New York at the time called Partners in Policymaking. And they were like, they were like, we're putting you in charge of your care plan, number one. So you can go whenever you feel like you're ready to go. And then two, have you ever heard of this thing, partners in policymaking, which really, which really deep in. Now I've been a disabled theologian for a long time. I read Disabled God when it first came out in like 1994, when I was like in my mid or like early mid 20s you know but but partners in policy making and meeting a whole bunch of other disabled people i would use the term crips yeah uh, like meeting <laughs> right like meeting a whole bunch of other cripples like like emily ladow was one emily was a really big influence on me using identity first language and because she broke that down in that program she was like a guest speaker and came in and broke that down. And as I'm tend as I tend to do, like I hit her with, you know, um, I don't know, probably 20 emails back and forth saying, break this down for me, unpack this for me. But it really, like I said, it really deepened. It kind of helped me break through my own internalized ableism and move even more aggressively into like embracing my cripple identity yeah i love it uh because you are into theology i want to ask uh specific theology types of questions just make sure so can you tell me about um a positive experience that you've had in the church as a as a minister that uh, that that's disabled I thought of one and I should have written it down because they're not as plentiful as you would hope that they would be. But 
I can say that the people who get it really get it, right? Like, like I had somebody meet me, my friend Garner is his name actually. And, uh, hi Garner, if you're listening, but, uh, Garner, uh, was at a church and they heard me come and talk about accessibility and stuff and really spearheaded a campaign to get a lift in their church. Things like that, like are amazing. And I had another person have a, an electric wheelchair at the time that I really needed to transition into an electric wheelchair. Cause again, I wasn't equipped for that post my knee replacement and they, they really helped uh, with those sorts of things and you know those kind of things again the people who get it really get it and the people who don't really don't can you tell and then that'll just roll into can you tell me i know there's probably many but a negative experience you've had as a as a minister with a disability yeah having my district superintendent pray for me that i would be healed so that then i could uh, engage in pastoral ministry, uh, was, was a rough one, but you know, those sorts of things, or when people just don't like, people don't get it right. Like they're, and it's outside of their realm of experience a lot of times. So like you try to be gracious or a million years before it was common language for people to say, please stand as you're able. I would go up to the microphone every single year at annual conference and say, can we please just say, stand in body or in spirit or as you're able or anything to note that like there are other bodies in this room and they would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for pointing it out and immediately follow back into their preference clearly of not including those sorts of things. So. There are all, as you said, there are many of those type of experiences, but, you know, my friend Merle, who was a uh, pastor, he wasn't disabled, um, but he was a really big social justice activist and advocate back in, back in the day when I was coming up, when I was like new to ministry and like in seminary and all this stuff. And... Merle said, I I went to him one time because I was having a hard time getting appointed to a church. Like all my friends got appointed to churches when they, when they were in seminary and all these things. And I like couldn't break in. And I said, I went to Merle and I'm like, is there anything that I can do differently? And he said, look, man, there's, there's going to be people who are super for you. And there's going to be people who are really against you. And that's the truth. And just so you don't hear this about as me throwing my then district superintendent under the bus, the district superintendent, Natalie is her name at the time, like really helped me break through that barrier to get me appointed by putting me like there was a pastoral change that needed to happen in the middle of the year. And she was like, we're just going to slide you in here because then you'll be inside the system. Yeah. And you know, and so she really helped me break through that wall too. And those are good experiences, right? Yeah. Now, board of, boards of ordained ministry and things like that, or district district committees. Actually, the board of ordained ministry wasn't so bad to me; they were pretty good. But the district committee, 
you know, they weren't so good. Uh, they only ever asked me about being disabled and nothing about theology. And then they tried to impede me from getting through. So that's another kind of negative story. But yeah, I'm I mean, here I, today. I can, I can relate to that. My then DS, um, before I was even on the journey, I was in a class that I was taking in seminary and I waited till everybody left and I asked them the question. I said, you know, will it be difficult for me to be ordained and uh, uh, find a position in the church? And you said, yes, uh, because of your disability. And I appreciated that honesty. And I was at a point in my life where I was like, well, watch me. I'm going to, don't tell me I can't do it, right? So, but that gets exhausting. And then at my ordination, we had one of the, He's not a GS anymore, but uh, the acting GS anymore. But um, it's part of like the ordination process. He went to each person that was being ordained that day. And then he got to me and he looked at me and he said, mm, isn't it great that we ordain people like you in this church? Mm. So which I just gave this like look of like, I can't see anything right now because like we're in the middle of ordination, but everybody because he was Mike, everybody who was my friend were, were like, I can't believe he just said that. And I remember looking at the then DS and he just gave me this look like, just shut up, don't say anything right now. Just, just, it's just not like this gets through. But yeah, so I can. And then I have found that, uh, at least for me, the way forward through ministry positions has, has not been the traditional, um, you know, church pastor. Which fits my personality too, but also I knew that sort of going in. Yeah, for sure, I would say that's true. Like I'm really, I mean, two of my real strengths are. I mean, I kind of get like stuck in, like I am a disabled theologian, and I'm happy to just talk about disability theology. But I'm really about community connection and about church revitalization and renewal. You know, those sorts of things that like rarely come up because people see me only as disabled Chris yeah. you know but I'm really about being in the community and this whole interconnection and whole thing about connecting people with where they are so I've found really a lot of life in in new faith communities where I also had significant support but having said that like we shouldn't have to re we shouldn't have to invent new sorts of churches to be able to get jobs just like not just like disabled people are right just like disabled people are always like self-employed because they like because they can't get jobs that's i i almost I, i'll refrain from swearing again because i don't know your audience but <laughs> but that's a bunch of garbage too you know and it happens all the time so I'm really grateful, though, that I had, like, a really supportive and helpful New Faith Communities uh, director, you know, in my conference and and things like that. His name is Dave. Hi, Dave. I'm shouting out all kinds of people, but, you know, but but it shouldn't have to come to that, right? Like, sometimes we should just be included in the body the same way everyone else is included. But so often that's not the case. 
I, I've, I've obviously shared your passion for disability theology, and I like to be, because I'm called to pastor people and to preach, not just about disability theology, but to preach the gospel. So I try my best to be like, yes, I can do that, but also you can call me to do other things. Like my life, while it is very informed by my disability because it's part of my culture, it's not the only thing I know about. Like, so mm -hmm. that's what I think about. Can you tell me a little bit about what your ministry uh, looks like now, what you're up to? Yeah. Um... Well, I'm really involved in a great uh, community, online community of faith called New Wineskins Faith Community. They're in West Virginia. And I met Joe. Hi, Joe. The uh, I, Again, I'm shouting out all kinds of people. But I met Joe in a, in a New Faith Community's sort of training because I had the idea for online faith communities years before the pandemic. And there were a few people who were supportive, like Dave, the director of New Faith Communities, but most people just didn't get it, right? So I was like, is there anybody here that understands this? And my friend Joe was like, yeah, I get it. And so we've been, t we started talking and we've been connected ever since. So I'm really involved there. I'm really involved in the Poor People's Campaign, especially here in New York State, right? Like, this is where I'm at, and I'm ready to throw down because I'm all about justice, like disabled and otherwise. Love works from the margins in. That's the gospel. That's how it works. If it doesn't work that way, you're wrong, and I'm going to probably tell you you're wrong. So, so, you know, so I'm super involved in Poor People's Campaign, and, and uh, then also um, I had to get a, a wheelchair van amongst other things for a while like my spouse Janelle was helping like boost me into our van and stuff and we we would like use a uh a non-electric wheelchair then and like she would have to push me if we would go places or whatever because I can't really wheel with one hand because my left hand is more impacted by the cerebral palsy so I just like spin in a circle mostly right <laughs> and uh but but we had to get a wheelchair van and um and found out how expensive it was and all those sorts of things which i never knew before and so we started using my music which really came to life in the pandemic um um my music uh to help fund wheelchair van grants for people um and that's a something called Rolling Nation Network. So there's that too. Right. So that could be something we can put in the in the link. So folks, if they're interested in that and your music in general, that would be good. Um, I think I'm gonna try to put a whole bunch of questions together because they're like rolling in my head. Good luck. Can you tell me about like what is disability theology to you and how has that impacted your spirituality and then we'll stop there and then okay disabled theology is just like any other sort of liberation theology which is turn these tables around and start including people who are on the margins right and in disabled theology that's including people with disabilities stop preaching healing narratives as 
oh, it's about healing and, and stuff and like these poor unfortunates and all that. Sort of, again, I use the term garbage, but it's really about it being included into the beloved community in a way that the oftentimes looks otherwise out in the world. So um, to me, that's disabled the, disability theology. It's just theology that works from the margins on behalf of disabled people. Very cool. And then if you were to say something to a person with a disability who felt a calling to ministry, what would you, what kind of advice or wisdom would you offer? Don't give up. Like, that's my story and Latia from what I've heard you say here, that's your story too. And so often, like, and yeah, sometimes like you can just, I mean, like you run into the wall so many times, like, I understand, but like, really, when you're in a marginalized community, like being disabled, um, just like, you're going to have to keep coming back. You're going to have to work harder and it, it's, it stinks. You shouldn't have to work harder, but you do. And people are going to try to push you. So just keep coming back. And like, also know know when to speak like I'm ordained now they can't take it away from me so I'm going to say whatever I'm going to say but yeah don't like when you're at the altar and somebody says something that they shouldn't say like th that's probably not the time to speak up wait till after wait till afterwards and then tell them off you know so know know where you can do what you can do and then do that <laughs> you know and then the follow-up question to that for boards of ministry, because um, I know your Methodist so it sort of works the same in another interest. So for the boards of ministry and the interviews, if, if they are to interview or when they encounter a minister or someone in the process of uh, becoming ordained that has a disability, what would you, what advice or wisdom would you offer them? Don't ask only about disability ask about our theology like the same as you would ask anyone else right and recognize that like yeah we have a different experience honor that experience but don't focus at that to the on that uh while excluding everything else i guess yeah um josiah are you good otherwise i'm just gonna ask Chris, if there's anything else you'd want to uh, add or anything you want to plug to make sure that folks are aware of it. Yeah, I'm good. I was just going to say, if I was on Chris's board of ministry interview for some reason, I'd ask him about the heartbreaking fandom of being a Buffalo Bills fan. That's all I was going to ask him. <laughs> that is tough. Yeah, that's tough. That, uh, that, that's long suffering, right? That's what, that's what the blessing is. It is, right? <laughs> yes. They may talk of the patience of Job. Well, be very patient, right? But... But, oh, man, like Bills, Sabres, whatever you want to throw my way, being a Buffalo sports fan is, I don't know if you're familiar with the TV show The Good Place. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, but, it, but, yeah. but, like, this is the, like, they have this revelation that this is the bad place. They're yeah. really in the bad place. Yeah. That's Buffalo sports oh, my fandom, right? Is like, like, you have hope. Right? Like, I have so much hope going into the year. Yeah. Nothing is going to stop us now. Just the Bills kidding. were 
they were right. The Bills were favored to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. Scott Norwood but only had Kansas City beat their butts. <laughs> no, I I really really like Patrick Mahomes and I like Andy Reid too. Like I like I don't have anything against them. Well, Cincinnati really beat us this year. Yeah. So, and uh, you know, I know I don't know I don't know what else to say. It's just. <laughs> Like we 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 almost get there, and then we don't quite get there. Yeah, yeah. My, well, I, my apologies for bringing up uh, kind of a sore yeah. subject on this uh, podcast. It's been more painful than anything we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so well. Um, is there anything else that you want to say that we didn't cover, or anything you? Work that you're doing, projects that you want to be sure to plug. No, I'm pretty good. Like I mentioned, Rolling Nation Network to help people with get wheelchair vans and also get cool music at the same time. Poor People's Campaign, like National Club. Right, tune in. Get in. Get like if, get, like, get into step. You know, and get like, which is metaphorical, I suppose, for me. But like, you know roll along with me as I think I said one time when I was singing that but but um but if you're not involved in social justice activism and things like that for people on the margins and you're out there listening I I've heard a, a lot of people say I wish I knew how to get involved like we're out here right talk to us we'll help plug you in like that's how we're going to really build a world that's more inclusive for all of us so uh, I I hope and encourage people to get involved in those sorts of things. All right, thanks, Chris, for taking the time to chat with Josiah. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. The Millennial Pastor Podcast was created and produced by Byron Certain and Josiah Jones. This season's guest host is Latia Frazier. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please be sure to rate, review, or subscribe and visit themillennialpastor.com for more podcasts like it.